And there are a lot of promises that, that not just for the young person, but also for the person who's getting older. God's got grace for you. A dozen times in the Bible, Paul says, grace, grace to you, grace, mercy, and peace to you. He says we need it. But I want to talk to you about the promises of God. What does it take to get what God offers? Uh, Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. We're going to learn from Abraham as we go through Romans chapter 5. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. I can get there myself here. And the Bible says, let us hold fast. Hopefully you're there. Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 23. Let us hold fast. Have a good grip, we might say. The profession of our faith. What we profess to believe. Without wavering. What does that mean? Without wavering. Without hesitating. Without doubting. Excellent. Good. Without wavering, why? Why can we consistently, every day, get up and say, praise God, I trust you, Lord. Why can we say that? For he is faithful that promised. You need to underline those words. The only reason why we have any kind of faith is because of who we're trusting in. That's our point this morning. You see, why would anybody believe God, especially the God of the Bible? Why would we believe any of his promises? And why should we keep believing them? even when it is hard and confusing sometimes. I know some people who start off full of joy and they've got full of hope and they've got all the promises of God in memory. And years later, they're like, Ugh, and they're discouraged. Well, we should believe and trust God because he that promised things to us is faithful and he is dependable and he's trustworthy. He is faithful that promise. That's the whole point of the Bible. God wrote the Bible so that we can trust him. Now, I know a lot of people who want to believe in something that helps them. I mean, they want a pill or they want a drink or they want a friend or they want a baby. There are people who have no joy until they get pregnant and then they wonder, why did I get pregnant? <laughs> people will believe in something, anything, with the hope that it will help them. And people will turn to God if they think that he would make them rich. They'll look to God if they can get health from him or to be made happy or to enjoy life. And for most people, that's what they think God is there for. God, I'll pray if you'll give me what I want. But when God doesn't give them the things that they want, they give up on God. And that's why religions make so much money because religions come along and say, well, you just haven't prayed hard enough. You have, you're not good enough. When really... It's because they're seeking the wrong things from God. And they're doing it by their good works. Well, if I just go to church more, and you ought to go to church more. Honestly, we have church on Wednesday night, and every one of you ought to be here on Wednesday night. But you don't come to church on Wednesday night so that you get more prayers answered. You come to church on Wednesday night because he's worthy. Um, it's just, I mean, in, the, in, in Acts chapter 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, they went to church every day. They couldn't get enough of church. But they, didn't, they weren't going to church because they were getting something. They were going to church because they wanted to worship and they wanted to give their lives to the Lord. So, uh, God's promises are far better than getting money, wealth, health, uh, happiness. God's promises are wrapped up in giving us a whole new life that lasts forever. Let's go to Romans chapter 4. And I want to give you a review of where we were at last time. A couple of weeks ago. 
By the way, we had a good time. Uh, it was tiring. Um, I, I spoke 10 times. Uh, out of those 10 times, eight of them I actually preached. But I was in six churches, and somebody said, how was your holiday? I said, I don't know. I need one. Um, but we had a great time. It was a blessing. Churches were a great encouragement to us, and I hope I was an encouragement to them. But we're back now, so buckle your seatbelts there. Amen. Uh, I'm going to give them a better review. We're not going to read these verses for time, but last time in Romans chapter 4, we learned that righteousness cannot be bought, earned, or worked for. You cannot be made right with God. You ever had somebody that something went wrong and it just, your relationship was messed up from then on? It's broken. It's just no closeness, couldn't talk, couldn't even look at each other. Well, you know, that's what we are with God. As sinners, we just have no relationship with God. We're separated by our sin. Now, to be made right with God, you can't work at it and make yourself better and get right with God. You can't buy it. You can't earn it. No one can burst about their religi- boast about their religious works and say, well, you know, I know I'm going to heaven because I go to church every week. Somebody else says, I'm going to heaven because I go to church every day. You see, when, you, when somebody goes to heaven, there is no other reason that somebody got in there but by the grace of God. Dying and, and, and paying the penalty for you, and all you did was you received that gift of eternal life. So we learn that no one can earn can boast about their works for God. It's kind of like a lawbreaker. Somebody, say somebody's a murderer, and they killed an old woman one day. But, oh, for the last six weeks and for the rest of their life, they're going to help old women across the street. Now, you hear the, you, you're, not, you're, you're maybe not processing this, but you understand that, that, that lawbreaking, all the goodness of a person's life can't make up for the one time you did wrong. And a Christian is not going to be able to go to heaven because they had a life of, of goodness, except for a few times where they broke God's laws. No, no, no. You break God's laws, it doesn't balance out. You need all of those, those laws have to be paid for, the breaking of them. So when we come, we learned in Genesis chapter 15 in verse 6, it says, Abraham believed God and it was counted unto him for righteousness. That's the whole point of Romans chapter 4. Now, when we talk about belief, belief means accepting something as true, even though you may not understand it. I mean, I've never seen my appendix. But when the doctor says it's coming out, I trust it. Okay, whatever you got to get, just make sure you only take the appendix. Amen. <laughs> and, and you just, their belief is, I mean, my doctor was 24 and a half years old who removed my appendix, and I did not want to trust him. But he was the only one on call that night when I came into the hospital, and I had to trust that, that kid doctor. Um, so belief it means accepting something is true, even though you may not understand it, and you're trusting simply because of who promised it. Abraham just heard God's promises of having children, and Abraham believed God could do it. God said, uh, Abraham says, well, you're God, so therefore I believe you. <laughs> Abraham knew it was impossible. He was, at the point that he was told he's going to have children, he was 75 and Sarah was 65. And you think, well, maybe it's possible. No, Abraham and his wife knew they were impotent. It was not possible. And so when God said, you're going to have children numbering out the wazoo, you're going to see all those stars up there. I'm going to give you stars. I'm going to give you children numbering more than those stars. You know what Abraham said? No way. No, he didn't say that. He said, cool. Cool. 
I believe. Um, just as, as impossible as it was for God to give a 75-year-old man, and it wasn't even at 75 years. It actually took 25 more years, and then God said, now you're ready to have a child. Remember how old he was? 100. <laughs> and for a 100-year-old man to have children to a 90-year-old woman, think of her, remember that? It's just, it, it, I, the husband's, there's no impossibility with him like it is for the woman. But they had a child, as impossible it was for them to have children. At 100, it is impossible to be made right with God. you understand that? God's trying to teach us about how he's the God of the impossible. And God actually says, as we learned last week, that that kind of faith where he just believed God was perfect. It added up to perfection and allowed him to receive whatever promise God made. It's absolutely fantastic. Uh, the gospel is such good news because it's, it's like a criminal who's uh, uh, convicted and he's asked to believe that someone else has paid for his crime and he says, okay, I believe it. And then they say, okay, you're free. It's just, what? Yes, it's that profound. That's how good the news is. So there are two ways for a human to become righteous. If you want to think about it, look in Romans chapter 4. In verse 4, now to him that worketh, you want to work at it? Go right ahead. You want to be good? Try your best. To him that worketh is the reward not reckoned of grace, not because of the kindness of God, but because he owes you. It's a debt he owes you. But to him that worketh not, that's the other side, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. See, I'm not trying to become godly. I'm trusting him who makes me godly. He believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly. His faith is counted, added up for righteousness. So there are two ways. Number one, by trying to earn it or by just accepting it. Either you get to go to heaven because God owes it to you, which I've met a lot of people who say that. I was talking to a Muslim yesterday out on the doors. Uh, and the guy says, I'm just trying to be good. And I said, so when you go to heaven, it's because God owes it to you? Yes, I said, do you really believe God owes you heaven? Yes, because I will be a good man all my life. Really? Let me talk to your wife. <laughs> Let me find out how good you are. But that's what people believe. They're going to earn their way into God's heaven. Or when you rather receive it as a gift. That's what God offers. Without any effort, Abraham could not earn righteousness. There was no way. There was no law for him to start to keep. There was no way for him as a sinner to be made right outside of God's grace. So Abraham could not earn righteousness. He had to just believe that God could provide it. Just that, all right, God, I believe that you can give me children and you can make me righteous. That's all it took. That was enough. So we're going to come into chapter 4, verse 13, where we left off last time. We're talking about receiving all the promises of God. Look at chapter 4, verse 13. He says there, for the promise that he should be the heir of the world. Now, this is the promise to Abraham. It was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, we'd say through the keeping of the law, but through the righteousness of faith. That ought to be underlined. Uh, <clears throat> God promised Abraham three things when he 
back in Genesis chapter 15, he promised him that he was going to be a dad. He's going to be a father when both he and Sarah were barren. Now, <clears throat> the truth is, that's what Abraham wanted. His inability to have children drew him to God. How many of you got saved because of a crisis in your life and it made you get on your knees and cry out to God? That was me. I had a crisis where, man, there are a lot of things piling up in my life and I had no idea. Uh, uh, I realized I could, um, I, when I was a year earlier, I had been racing and I flipped my car and I should have died, I could have died, and I had no guarantee of tomorrow. And, you know, a lot of my life I was making decisions about the rest of my life and somebody comes along and tells me how to know for sure when I die, I go to heaven. And I didn't just go, oh, sure, let me put that in my back pocket. No, I realized there is a hell. I realized I was not good enough to get into heaven. Here's somebody offering me a way out of God's judgment and straight into the presence of God. And that problem is what drew me to God. A lot of people have problems. Most people have problems, okay? <clears throat> and there are, those problems are precious because that might just be what God will use to bring you to himself. I've told you the story about a couple that I knew. <clears throat> the wife was praying for her husband for years, and the husband was one arrogant donkey who just thought God was a joke. And uh, all, all those years, his wife going to church without him, <clears throat> praying for him, the church praying for him, just no interest at all in God. The pastor would go and visit him and give him the gospel, and he would say, that's nice, not interested, and send him out. And time after time after time, his wife would plead with him, come out to church, which I want you to say, I don't want you to go to hell, so on and so forth. Well, <clears throat> one day he drops his wife off to church, and he goes for a drive. He lived out in West Texas, and um, uh, he's cruising around with his convertible. And um, he's coming around a turn, and he's in an area where there's a canyon alongside of the road. And so it was a drop-off, and he's driving one arm, and he's got his beer in the other hand. And he's driving along just, just free as a bird, thinking, I don't need any religion and everything. He'll tell you his story. <clears throat> and he got distracted for a moment, and he didn't turn tight enough, and he went right over the edge. And went down 300 feet, trembling down, should have died. But his back was broken, legs were broken, neck was was fractured, so on and so forth. They had to helicopter him out, put him in the hospital in a, in a body cast from his chin down to his toes. And he's there, and they had to turn him every couple hours like a rotisserie because of bed sores and stuff. He was in that hospital for like eight weeks. And so while he's in that hospital, every couple hours they'd flip him, you know. <laughs> and he's there, and his wife's weeping with him. You, you could have died. You could have died. And he didn't want to talk. And it took him about... Uh, two, three times uh, of uh, his wife begging, let the preacher come and talk to you. So the preacher came to him, sat down with him, and just wept and said, you've been given another chance. And he said, what, a, what, what, kind of, what kind of chance is this? I'm in a body cast. I may never walk again. And by the way, he does. But he's sitting there, and the pastor prayed with him, gave him some scripture, and then walked out and left him there. And that guy in pain for two, three, four weeks, I don't remember how long it was, in the middle of the night, in pain, he said, get the preacher. And so they phoned the pastor. The pastor comes in and says, don't tell my wife, but I want to get saved. <laughs> the preacher said, what, made, what changed your mind? He said, the pain. The fact I got nobody to talk to. I am absolutely 100% alone in this hospital room. And the only comfort I've got is when the, hospital, when the nurse comes in and flips me. <laughs> 
and I am empty, and I've been fighting God, and if, 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 if this is God trying to get me before I go to hell, I guess I better get saved. Because right now, this, I don't want to go any longer in this pain. I'd like some hope. I'd want to get out of this thing. And he started to live for God, and he became a deacon in a Baptist church and serving God. The point is this. If it takes you getting your back broke, that's a good thing if it brings you to God. Amen? If it's losing your job, losing your wife, losing your, 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 your wealth and, and everything. If you lose everything in this life and it drives you to your knees, praise God. Because that trouble is God trying to get you saved before you enter into eternity in trouble. Hell is forever. The hospital's not. So Abraham, he... God promised him that you're going to have a child, which is like Abraham says, I need a child. My wife and I need a child. Secondly, God promised him righteousness, which is really cool. God promised him to be made right with God. God wanted Abraham to be a friend of God. Think about that. I mean, a friend of God. Somebody who could talk to God about anything. Um, and third, God promised Abraham that he would be the heir of the world. Now, that's a wild thing because in Matthew chapter 5, verse 5, it says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall inherit the world. You know, we think that this life is all there is. And I come to read my Bible, and I realize this life is like a vapor, and it's over. And your, your neighbors may have loads of money. They may have two cars, three cars, four cars, I don't know what. And everybody you see going ahead of you, racing ahead of you, I know this, that they all leave it at the grave. And only the born-again child of God who has been, been saved by the grace of God and by the blood of Jesus Christ, the Christian is going to live forever. And this world <laughs> is, 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 is our home. We are going to heaven and coming back. It is forever, folks. When he promises Abraham to inherit the world, he meant it. Don't you worry about kings of Babylon and pharaohs and... Rome and, and England and Charles. And, don't worry about any of them. Worry about where are you going to be forever. There's a promise of forever for the Christian. That's a pretty cool promise. Now, how did he receive it? Look in verse 13 again. It says, for the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. Paul asks, how was the promise received? Was it by Abraham keeping the laws of God? He goes on in verse um, uh, 14. For if they which are of the law be heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of none effect. Because the law worketh what? All right, now we're going to learn this. For where the law is, there is no transgression. Therefore, it, the receiving of the promise, is of faith that it may be by grace, by kindness. To the end, the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also, which is of the faith of Abraham. I want you to remember that in just a minute. The faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all, all who believe. So was the promise received? Now to the Jews, they're like, yes, it was by keeping the law. And then they added on, and you've got to be circumcised. They had a long list of things that you had to do if you're going to get the promises of God. But the funny thing is, let's go back to Genesis 15. We'll come back to uh, Romans chapter 4, but let's go back to Genesis chapter 15, verses 1 to 6. 
Genesis 15. Verse 1 to 6. <clears throat> After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield and thy exceeding great reward. And Abraham said, Lord God, what wilt thou give me? I need something. Seeing that I go childless, and the steward of my house is this Eliezer of Damascus. He's not even part of my family. And Abram said, Behold, to me thou hast given no seed. You never gave me a child. And lo, one born in my house is mine heir. So my, my, all of my inheritance should go to my heir. But I have no heir except this servant. Verse 4, And behold, the word of the Lord came back unto Abram, saying, This Eliezer shall not be thine heir. It's not going to go to his hands or his pockets. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And he brought him forth abroad. It's nighttime. And he said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars. Add up the stars. Count the stars if thou be able to number them. And God said unto Abram, so shall thy seed be. And so God didn't just say, I'm going to give you one kid. He says, I'm going to give you a gazillion of them. Or as somebody, as, as my little Chloe says, a killion of them. I'm going to give you a number in those stars. And you know what? Look at verse. I mean, if God promised me, you know, not just one kid, but a bazillion of them, you'd go, how about let's just keep, we keep with one. But it says in verse six, and he, Abraham, believed in the Lord and he counted to him for righteousness. Isn't that awesome? He believed and it was enough. It was, it was just Abraham said, you're God, therefore I believe you. Let me show you something. Go back to Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 and verse 17. This is the theme of the book of Romans. Romans chapter 1 verse 17. Three scriptures real quick. Romans 1, 17. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So what am I doing? Every experience of my life, I am living it by from this experience of faith to the next experience of faith, to the next experience by faith. What do I normally do? I live by panic. I live by worry, by stress. Is this going to work out? Have I paid this bill? Is, 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 is somebody still mad? And I'm constantly struggling to manage and micromanage. But the Christian lives from faith to faith to faith. We live by faith. And that's what settles the Christian's heart. I'm okay because I'm just doing this by faith. I can't make it work out. You understand that? I can't make my wife get here yet. From the Philippines. Emriel's sitting there back there. But boy, we're praying for it, and we're trusting by faith. You see how it works? We want to go wring somebody's neck up in the immigration office. But that's not living by faith, is it? We, we want somebody to, to give us a job. We want, us to, 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 we want things to happen, and we don't do that as Christians. We do it by faith. Romans 3.28. Romans 3.28. Therefore, we conclude 
Paul does this throughout the book of Romans, but he says it especially. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified, made right by faith without the deeds of the law, without the best efforts of my life. Now, old Martin Luther, he's kind of cute. He put a word in there. It said, um, therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith alone without the works of the law. He put that word alone in there because he kind of trying to take a dig into the Catholic Church because the Catholic Church always said by faith and works, faith and works. And he said, no, (laughs) it's by faith alone, which is true. It's by faith only, not by works. Look at Romans chapter 5, 1. It's our memory verse this month. Romans 5, 1, therefore being justified by, there's that word, by faith. What do we have? Peace with God. The one who we've been an enemy of, the one who we've, we've rejected and resisted and rebelled against. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, the only, the only uh, uh, let me show you a, a simple timeline here. To the Jew, they thought that you had to keep the law, you had to be circumcised, you had to keep the Sabbath. They listed all these things, which is kind of funny because in the Bible, it doesn't say that. When you go back in Genesis chapter 15, God makes a promise to Abraham, and Abraham just simply believes it. And at that moment, he was made righteous. Bang, bang, bang. Then we come along in chapter, come on, chapter 17, Abraham and all his descendants are getting circumcised after he's made righteous. So when did they get circumcised? After. When does a person get baptized? After they've been made righteous with God, after they've been born again. But circumcision is after. And then the law, kit and caboodle, lock, stock, and barrel, doesn't happen until Exodus 430 years later. So when the Jews say, we've got to keep the law, we've got to be circumcised, they're forgetting he was made righteous without any of that. Do you see that? There is no other way than just faith alone. The faith way is the only way that works. So let's go back to verse 13. Go, go, go. All right, look at verse 13, back in Romans chapter 4, verse 13. For the promise that he should be the heir of the world was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, family of Abraham by, isn't that cool? He's a father, he has, Abraham had a lot of physical kids, all right, some of them are Ishmaelites, 
Some of them are of Jacob and Isaac and the Israelites, but some are the Ledbetterites. I got into the family of Abraham by faith. He's got a lot of kids, doesn't he? So let's talk about the righteousness of faith here. And Paul brags about this. He says, number one, there are three things about faith. One, doing the laws of God is not faith. It is works. If I'm trying to keep the commandments, that is not faith. Does that make sense? That, if I, if I decide I'm not going to live by faith, I'm just going to do all the commandments of God, do you know what, how it ends up? Always wrath. Because you'll never do it right. You'll never be perfect. How many of you want to live with a perfectionist? You ever, you ever had somebody who just always say, you know, something's wrong? I can't imagine being a chef. Here's... Uh, 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 Emmanuel's next door. He's doing chefing and cooking and all that stuff. And can you imagine the stress you put your under, under yourself because when you present something, somebody's going to find fault with it. Oh, it's, it's not spicy enough. There's not enough carrots, you know. <laughs> there are too many carrots, you know. All the things that people will find fault with. Well, listen, if you try to go by God's commandments, you will know I failed. I failed again. I failed again. And it results in judgment. It results in wrath. The breaking of God's law, the wages of sin, is what? Death. So, man, faith is not doing the law. Number two, faith is not against the law. Isn't that cool? There was nothing in the law that said, don't try to, try to live by faith. Where, there, where the command doesn't say don't live by faith, when I'm living by faith, I'm not breaking a law. Does that make sense? Did I just go over your head? Aren't you glad living by faith is not against the law? Amen. Faith is not against God's laws. And third thing he says, faith is superior to all God's laws. Verse 16, I'll read it again, says, Therefore it is of faith, the promises are of faith, that it might be by grace to the end that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not to that only which is of the law, but to that also which is of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. Did you know the law only operated for a short time? It operated during the time of Exodus all the way up to the cross. And it is finished. Did you know faith is from start to eternity? Isn't that cool? Faith is forever. The law was only for a little time. Faith is superior to God's laws. Now, that's hard for a Jew to accept. That's hard for a Catholic to accept. That's hard for you to accept because you're still trying to live up to God's measure, and you can't. Now, you ought to struggle to do right, and you always will struggle to do the right thing. But don't measure your success with God on the basis of whether you're keeping all the laws. You know what God looks for? Faith. Hebrews chapter 11. Go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hold your place here in Romans. Hebrews chapter 11. In verse 6. Hebrews 11, 6. <clears throat> but without faith, it is impossible to please him. So you go ahead and live by your works if you want. I'm going to live by faith. Because without faith, it is impossible to please God. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is wow he's all i need he's everything i need he is and that he is a rewarder of them that just diligently seek him so um faith is severe to god's laws and it always works 
You want to get saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. You want to be happy? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And lean not on thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he'll direct thy path. You're doing things by faith, folks. Uh, now let me show you the power of faith. Romans 4, 17. <clears throat> As it is written, I have made thee a father of many nations. Before him whom he believed... Even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which be, be not as though they were. So when God looked at this universe, he said, let there be light. And he said that there was light, and then it happened. He spoke something that didn't exist into existence. That's the power of God. Can he take care of us? Amen. Do you know, he has the power over death. To the point where Jesus is able to go up to Lazarus and say, hey, Lazarus, come on back out here. <laughs> Lazarus has been dead for four days. I trust that God, his power reaches beyond the grave. I'm not trusting in my own power. I'm trusting in he who has the ability to do anything. So uh, we're not talking about a blind, guessing faith, but a belief that, God, that what God says is true and will always happen faith's power is not in my beliefs well, but let better you don't believe like i do i don't, I don't know okay <laughs> people are arguing about what they believe i just want to believe what saith the scripture because i can't i can't tell god what to do i just believe what he promises amen, amen. and so the charismatic will say you need to believe in prosperity. No, you don't. You need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. End of story. And it's not my beliefs that the power is in. Well, if you just believe positively. No. I want to see somebody believe positively and stop the rain. Okay? I watched some jokers get up there back at the beginning of COVID. You know who I'm talking about. And they got up there and he says, COVID, we command you in Jesus' name to get out. <laughs> And we had three more years of COVID. <laughs> Folks, the, the power of faith is not in what you believe. Oh, I believe it's going to stop raining. You can believe that all day long. Don't trust your faith to be powerful. Second thing, it is more powerful than my best efforts. I mean, there are a lot of things that I've just, I've done my best and it's just not going anywhere. Aren't you glad you can just pray and let God finish the work? Faith is much more powerful than my best efforts. Third thing, it will work. It's in the source of our faith. Now, I don't, have, I don't have my example, but if I had a light bulb up here in my hand, I never see a charismatic do this. I have a light bulb in my hand. I believe that I have the power to turn this light bulb on. <laughs> Nothing happens. You know how to turn a light bulb on? Plug it in. Because I believe in the power of energia in the ESB. Amen? And the truth is, people can believe all day long. I'm, I'm, I'm making mockery on a purpose because a lot of people, they're shocked by, look at all these charismatics, all these different religions and all the things that they say. And I go, yeah, there's no proof. But I know this, I can trust the one who promised his son, the one who promised eternal life, the one who promises I'm going to go through a sound mind. I'll trust the source of my faith. The one who told me to believe. It's in the God I'm trusting, the one who is faithful. Remember that verse we started off with? 
So let's look at verse 17 down to 25, and I'll show you this. Abraham's our example, and this is the best part of the message. We'll start in verse 8, 18. Who against hope believed in hope, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken by God, so shall thy seed be. You're going to be father of kids, number in the stars. And being not weak in the faith, in faith, he considered not his own body now dead when he was about 100 years old, neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't consider that at all. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. You ought to memorize that verse. That is the reason why we pray. Being fully persuaded that what he, God, had promised, he was able also, he was able also to perform. And therefore, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Just stop there for a second. There's seven or eight things here. You probably didn't even notice them all, but some of them you did. Number one, he just had simple faith. I mean... Can a nine-year-old believe God? Yeah. Do they have to understand God? Do they have to go to theology class, seminary? Do they have to spend 17 years in church? No. A child can learn the Bible lessons, can start to see the pattern that God is trustworthy from start to finish and go, I just believe. Amen. The kind of faith that works, Abraham shows you, is simple faith. Abraham's faith God didn't brag about Abraham's powers. He didn't fly through the air, didn't, didn't do magic. It was not in Abraham's politics or his philosophies or his deep answers. Not in Abraham's great military conquest or even the great teachings of Abraham. God never bragged on any of that. God bragged about his childlike faith where he just trusted what God said. God shows us that he had simple faith. Uh, I like how Hebrews 11, 8 says, it says, and he, Abraham, went out not knowing whither he went. <laughs> Abraham, tell your wife to pack. Where are we going, Lord? Not going to tell you. She's not going to be happy. <laughs> Just get her out the door. Okay. Lord, all right, we're out the door. Where are we going? Just put one front in front of the other. I'll tell you when you get there. Okay. And that was Abraham. <clears throat> One step, he had no idea what direction he was going, where he was going, when he would get there until God said, this is your land, in the promised land. That's faith. Now, thankfully, God didn't ask you all the time to do that. But he did it with Abraham, and Abraham had simple childlike faith that says, this way, Lord? No, okay, that way, okay, that way. <laughs> and that was awesome. He trusted God. You know what I'm sad about? I'm sad that modern Christians are so worried about the details of life. We're getting older. You know, as we get older, Mona, you know what we worry less about? All the details. We just want to get through the day, man. <laughs> and, and, you know, all the stuff, everybody, I'll be talking to somebody, say, wait a minute, let me check this out on Wikipedia. And, and all the details, like a bazillion things are being constantly calculated and worked on and worried about and panicked about and they have no idea how to just rest and go lord's going to take care of the problems i can't casting all your care upon him for he careth for you folks he had simple faith secondly i want you to know he had personal faith sarah didn't do the believing for him gentlemen 
Don't you dare let your wife be more faithful than you. Amen. You need to walk with God, gentlemen. You need to be the man who believes God. Your wife needs to believe God. Your kids need to believe God. But nobody can have faith for someone else. Remember when you were a kid, you'd say, these are your godparents. Remember that? You know what the godparent system was made for? Well, they did the believing for the kid. They, did, they made sure you were in church. They did all this stuff. God doesn't have that. It's up to you. You've got to have your own faith. The faith of Lily, the faith of Craig, the faith of all of us. This was the faith of Abraham. He had personal faith. He had imperfect faith. Abraham believed God, but he struggled. Oh, man. Struggled waiting on God. <clears throat> How many of you ever prayed and then looked up and looked around and said, is it coming? <laughs> and it didn't. Struggled with how God would do what he promised. You know, it's hard waiting on God. Amen, Emrio? It's hard waiting on God. My goodness, man. <clears throat> Some people, they, they, they're waiting to get pregnant, and it just takes years. Abraham and Sarah waited 25 years, right? It was hard. <clears throat> he had imperfect faith. There were times where he got discouraged, and he and his wife said, well, maybe we need to help God out. <laughs> Be careful. Uh, and, and imperfect faith, you know what's okay about that? It's okay. It's not our faith that activated the promise. It's God. Or that faith that fulfills the promise. It's God that fulfills it. My simple, childlike, imperfect faith activated it. I didn't understand the Trinity when I got saved. I didn't understand the second coming, the rapture, the tribulation. I just knew I was a sinner and I needed to be saved. And that imperfect faith is enough. Amen. Somebody says, well, you know about so-and-so. They've gone off into this side. You know, if they believed on the Lord Jesus Christ, they are still saved. Amen. And God will fix them up. <laughs> God will straighten out that crooked uh, hanger after a little while. Imperfect faith. Third thing Abraham was, he had a confident faith. I like it. It says he was confident. He was not weak in faith. Against hope. I like that verse uh, 18. Who against hope. That means, that's what we talk about when, we, when, we, when we're going against what we think might happen. When we, we, we say, oh, it's not going to work. <laughs> and we still believe. And we have hope. And he had, and, and he had tested faith. Do you know, faith is not real unless it's tested. I mean, he bought a car on site. No, no, you, you get in the car, you... Start the engine, you drive it around, you pop the bonnet, you look inside, you check the engine, you check the oil. You don't know what you're doing, but you're doing all that stuff, all right? Because you got to put it to the test. And if you say you believe, it's going to be tested. Not only does God want to know if it's real, the devil wants to know if it's real. Uh, how far will you trust the promises of God? How far will you trust him? You're waiting on God to do something? Trust him. When things aren't working right, trust him. When nothing seems to be happening for years, trust him. He not only had a tested faith, he had a strong, stable faith. Verse 19 says, be not weak in faith. He considered not his own body, now dead. <laughs> when he was about 100 years old, neither the deadness of Sarah's womb, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. He was fully aware of how weak he and Sarah were. Yet when God promised children, Abraham didn't stagger at it. To stagger means like, like no, that, that's impossible. He didn't stagger at it. 
He didn't collapse under its impossibility. He didn't argue. And instead of him considering his inability, guess what he did? He just trusted God's ability. Isn't that, un isn't that wonderful? I am unable to do anything. Without me, Jesus said, you can do nothing, nothing of value. Yeah, you can drive a car. But man, to live and enjoy life, raise your family for God, anything is of value, I can do nothing without Christ. So my inability is not my problem. It's whether I'm trusting his ability. That's all I need to do. He had a strong and confident faith, and he had a glorifying faith. This is priceless. It says there's verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. <clears throat> you know what be the worst thing to do? Be for me to come in and say, you know, ladies and gentlemen, I've prayed and fasted all week long, and I got, and I won the lottery. <laughs> Guess who gets all the glory for that praying and fasting? I do. Sorry. When Abraham believed God, guess who got all the glory? God did, because Abraham couldn't have children. God gave him a Does that make sense? He glorified. Next time God answers your prayer, don't go, I must be really super cool. I must be spiritual. <laughs> no. He who promised came through. Verse 21 says he had a persuaded faith. No, I'm talking to people in this room who are looking at me going, you haven't convinced me yet. I know, I know. But at some point, I pray that you get persuaded to walk and live and trust and pray by faith. Look in verse 21. And being fully persuaded that what he, God, had promised, he was able also to perform. I like those words, fully persuaded. <laughs> mm. you know, how many of you have ever seen those fun fairs where they put people in a slingshot? These two arms sticking about 150 feet in the air, and then they got rubber bands. And the rubber bands have a seat, and you put two people in that seat, and then they, and they lock it down as low as they can, and then they go, you ready? Yeah. <laughs> and then they release it. And you go up and down, up and down. I'm not fully persuaded. <laughs> you ain't making me get in there. But some people, they get in there and they think it's the greatest thing since peanut butter. They just love that stuff because they're persuaded they're going to be okay. Me, I'm going to die. <laughs> but you know, the rest of life, I'm just going to enjoy the ride because the Lord will get me through. Amen. I don't have to ride on them dumb slingshots for me to prove faith. Amen. <laughs> I think that's proven stupidity. All right. He had persuaded faith and won the best one of them all. He had saving faith. Look down there in verse 22. And therefore, because of his faith, it was imputed to him for righteousness. Yes, he got a kid, and he got grandkids, and he got kids at the wazoo. But it was imputed to him for righteousness. Now, it was not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but for us also, to whom it shall be imputed, if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, Jesus, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Whew. That simple childlike faith that Abraham had activated a swap in his life, his sins on the future Messiah and the righteousness of the future Messiah, Jesus, was put on him. God's outside of time, so he can move things around <laughs> no matter what time it is. Abraham's sinfulness was exchanged for righteousness. And by the way, don't forget, Abraham was a sinner just like Mary was. 
And what's amazing, it has, it was and always has been that easy to become righteous, ladies and gentlemen. It's that easy. I have to finish. But you ever think about what God promises us? Think about this for a second. Do you know he promises, if, you're, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, if you get saved this morning, you'll never be alone again. Jesus says in Matthew 28, 20, he says, Lo, I'm with you always. I'll never leave you or forsake you. You understand that the Holy Spirit will be in you and cannot get out. He seals himself in. <laughs> there are about 15 times in the New Testament where it talks about the promise of the Holy Spirit. I got the promise. <clears throat> it, and you say, how'd you get it? Did you pray for hours? I remember going to a charismatic church, and I talk about from experience. I was in a Pentecostal church, and they told us to pray all night for the filling of the Holy Spirit. It never happened. You know why? I was never born again. They never told me to get saved. They told me to get the Holy Spirit. Got it backwards. But the moment I got saved, I got the Spirit of God. And all I've been wanting to do is yield to Him and let Him fill me from that day forward. But He's in me. That's what God promised in a believer. Man, I tell you what, I don't want children out the wazoo. I got five and eight grandchildren. Now bring the great grandchildren on. But I want the Holy Spirit. I got a new heart. You know, the promise that God offers to, to, the, to the unbeliever is you, you, a new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. You got a bad spirit? You're just grumpy all the time, complaining, angry, fighting. Wouldn't it be nice to have a new heart? A sound mind? 2 Timothy 1.7 says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and whew, a sound mind. You want, to be able, you want to be able to go through life and not be constantly depressed all the rest of your life? That doesn't mean you don't have bad days. You don't struggle with depression, but you don't live there because God gives you a sound mind, picks you up. Yes, we all fall. Yes, we all struggle. But man, I get right back up because faithful is he that promised. You want strength for every day to do the right things? Philippians 4.13 says you can do all things through Christ which strengthens me. Anything God asks you to do, you, you can do because he'll strengthen you. That's the promise of God. How about this one? You want all your needs met? Not your wants. My God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory. And I think God's pretty rich. All your needs met. Do you see what a Christian has? Do you know how to get those promises? Believe. Believe. He will finish his work. My life verse is Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you and me will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. He'll keep working on me till I'm just like him. That's what God promises. And the last one here is he gives us the promise of eternal life. You can leave Romans, go to 1 John 2, 25, and <clears throat> we'll be done. 1 John, just before Revelation. 1 John 2, 25. First John 2.25, and this is the promise that he hath promised us, even what? Hallelujah. <laughs> I mean, I want to have a good life, but I may not have one. I may have to suffer. I may be sitting in a hospital bed with bedpans every three hours. I may have needles and, and uh, uh, tubing coming out of my body. I may have cancer. I may be struggling against disease and um, disasters all the rest of my life but I've got the gift of eternal life this is not all there is 
See, when somebody promises you a better life, don't believe them one second. Because in a heartbeat, it'll all change. Amen? But I know one thing that will not change, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth on him should not perish. doesn't say he should not have a bad life. He says, well, not go to hell, but will have everlasting life. That's the promise of God. Amen. It's the best promise of them all. And they're all found in a relationship with Jesus Christ. So God's promises, I think, are far better than getting money, health, or happiness. I was talking to some Thai, a couple of Thai families, and you know what all the Thais, when you talk to them, says, you know, you talk about God and all this stuff, will he make me happy? Will he make me happy? I'll trust your God if he'll make me happy. Whew, can't promise that. Can't promise that. He'll give you joy and he'll give you tears, <laughs> but he'll give you eternal life. He'll give you a sound mind. He'll give you strength for all your days. You see that thing? When we ask for the wrong thing and if we don't get it, what do we do? We give up on God. Don't ask for the wrong thing. Ask for what he's promised. God promises a life that lasts forever. So ladies and gentlemen, I'm asking you to start or at least get back to living by faith. This book says the just shall live by faith. All God's promises are received by faith. Decide to live like Abraham did, just believing God. Because God's promises are not earned, they're offered to you. By the way, they're not easy to wait for because we want them right now. It's not going to happen. It's in God's time. They're not trivial. Uh, they're the most important things we need. Some of you are waiting on God to do something in your life. You've been waiting for years. The promises of God are not trivial. If they don't come true, they will. You just got to trust God and just got to let God leave things in his hand. Do your best, but it's God's business. But the truth is they are enjoyed and experienced by faith, just trusting God. Galatians 3. I want to take one more. I got to do this. Galatians 3. And we'll be done. Galatians 3, 26. Galatians 3.26 says, For ye are all the children of God by faith in Christ Jesus. Sorry. Some Hindu says, I'm a child of God. Buddha says, I'm a child of God. Muslim, no, no, no. You're, you're a child of God by faith in Jesus Christ. For as many of you as have been baptized into Christ have actually put on Christ, the life of Christ. There is neither Jew now nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. And if ye be Christ's, if you belong to him, guess what? Then are ye Abraham's seed <laughs> and heirs along with him according to the same promise he got. You were put in a great place, weren't you? All the promises of God are in Jesus Christ, and you get everything that Abraham got and more. You can't beat the Bible, and you can't beat living by faith. Somebody says, well, you know, I got to do this. And I go, no, you don't have to do anything except believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and decide I'm going to follow him. Stand with me. Let's bow in prayer. I want you to consider if your life has been kind of like mine, where there have been times where you haven't lived by faith, but you're going to commit to start to doing it again. Saying, Lord, I'm just going to start reading my Bible, looking for the promises of God and trusting you. Would you start to make a memory verse, maybe Proverbs 3, 5, and 6? Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thine own understanding. 
In all thy ways, acknowledge him, follow him, and he will direct thy path. If you, if you just say, Lord, I'm going to memorize that verse, I'm going to start living by that verse, I guarantee you the sound mind will come. The strength for every day will come. All those promises, the promises, all the promises of God are in Christ. And if you get him dominating your life, you got all the promises just coming out of everywhere. Father, uh, I don't know, in this room, there are going to be plenty of people who maybe say they're saved, they're born again, they know that they're going to heaven, but their life is not one of faith. It's one of, of panic, stress, frustration, discouragement, because... Their prayer life is, is really all about the things that they need, but they don't know how to trust. I pray you just convert those frustrations into a confidence that says, you know, Lord, I'm just going to believe that you're going to take care of everything that I'm worried about. And I'm going to start trusting that you're going to guide my steps like you did Abraham's. You're going to tell me where to go, what to do, and it'll be enough. I may not be up at the top of the business, I may suffer. I may struggle for a long while. But this life is not the end. And no matter what I go through, no matter how much heartache, it will be worth it all when I see Jesus. And I get to live forever. And I get everything that I've lost back in this life a hundredfold. So, Lord... Teach some Christians, encourage some Christians to get back to living by faith. And if there's somebody in this room who's still trusting in their own goodness, thinking they're good enough to stand before you one day when they die, I pray that they would realize nowhere in the Bible can they find God saying, just work a little harder. Just be a little better. Get baptized again. Go do this and that, and maybe I'll accept you. He never says that. He says, look to my son. Look and live. Believe on him. Trust in him. He died to save you. Will you let him save you now? And if you do want to get saved, why don't you ask him? I did 42 years ago. Coming up on 43 years. Lord, I pray somebody would get saved. You'd encourage everybody now in Jesus' name. Amen.